they wondered wondered who I was. And the first thing they said was, oh, she's here. She's meeting, uh, you know, she's, she's working with the bishop. They must be sleeping together. Nobody knew anything about wow. me. Nobody knew my name. But that was what they said at first. When I would bring, when I would be dating someone, they would say, oh, she got a new boyfriend every time we come to church. It wasn't true. I had the same boyfriend every, the entire time. When, my, that, when I ended that relationship, it had been years. Nobody had seen me with anyone. And just a few months before I left my pastoral post, one of the pastors said, well, yeah, a couple of the people in the church had said, I, we never see her with a man. She must be a lesbian. Oh, my word. Ladies and gents, good people, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever good it is for you right now. I hope it's really, really good. And welcome to the latest and greatest edition of I to I, short for Inspire to Inspire, a podcast that is all about having open, honest, real conversations about life and faith and just trying to figure it out and praying you get inspired in the process. And along with my homeboy, Devin, my name is Jordan, and we are honored to boldly go where most folks ain't trying to. Simple as that. And guess what? This episode is, again, definitely no different. So here's the bottom line. My old boy Devin decides that he wants to take his family and go on vacation, and hit that West Coast, going to Cali. And yeah, that's cool. That's all fine and dandy. Just leave me to do all the work. Of course. Right, now I'm just joking. As a matter of fact, I uh, was trying to put together these interviews, and it's been a long week and some change coming. Uh, but Devin's already back in town, and neither here nor there. I've just told him to enjoy his family. Uh, but I'm excited because it finally went down tonight, and I'm going to tell you, it is dope. I introduce you to two of my sisters in the faith, uh, Karen Bazone and Jazz Agnew. They've been anything from pastors to preachers to teachers to church planners and just leaders in the faith. And we wanted to sit down and have a conversation with them and talk about their experiences as women uh, in the faith. And this is on the heels of our good old friend John MacArthur and everything he said a couple weeks ago. So we're calling this Truth Be Told, uh, Go Home Edition Part 2. And we're about to have a conversation about a whole lot of stuff. Even some stuff you don't think we should be talking about in the church. At least some of y'all anyway. Uh, but if you can't talk about it in the church, if you can't uh, work it out in the church, then where can you? And I'll just leave that at that. Uh, so without further ado, I'm excited. Let me shut up and let's get to this interview. And again, thank you guys for rocking with us on the I2I podcast. Let's go, man. Well, God. I was up at five, so I had to chill because, you know, I'm too old to not nap if I get up at five. Man, please. 
Everybody's always been talking about how old they are. You know, people talking about how old they are is, is really getting old. <laughs> Pun intended. Y'all out here in these streets acting like everybody grandma. You ain't grandma. I know you ain't grandma. No, yeah. I'm not grandma, but you know. Yeah, no, I know. I think you you will find yourself in a bit of a disposition. And I know Jasmine would just kill somebody if she found out she was a grandma. So Well, you know, he's in college now. That don't um, mean nothing. <laughs> and he's older, so I, I would not kill him as quickly as I would two years ago when he was in high school. So, uh, yeah. So instead of it being like blunt force, it might just be slow poison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blunt force. My Ooh, God. Come on, girl. I know. The process. Raising them boys is not easy. I'm trying to tell you. Nah. You know, I I feel that. I, I apologize to my mama every now and again, just in case. You should. I don't. I, mean, I don't feel like I actually like need to, because I wasn't that son. That was my brother. That was definitely my brother for for sure. Shouts to Colin if if, if I if I end up using this material and he hears it. <laughs> Love you, sir. <laughs> uh, I mean, he knows it though. It's all good. You know, it's it's covered under the blood. We've all moved on. <laughs> Glory to God. Uh but yeah, yeah. No, so well, that's good though. So you, uh, your boy's a sophomore then? That's what you saying? No, mine's a so he's a freshman. He's a freshman. Oh, mm-hmm. you saying a couple of years ago? Okay, cool. Like he was a junior. Well, yeah, when he was in high school. So yeah. he was a junior in high school. Yeah. Okay. He's still balling out. He's still playing. No, uh, he got hurt his senior year, and after he got hurt, he didn't want to go back. He made the decision that he did not want to continue playing, and so I didn't force it. Oh wow. Somebody who was actually, I don't say smart enough, I'm not going to do that, but somebody who was wise enough to consider that maybe that wasn't the only option. Yeah, he, um, yeah, he, he's, he was five, eight, 160 pounds at the time, you know, granted, he probably could have gone somewhere and gained the weight to play his position, Um, but he just, there was just something about that last injury, he was just like, I I don't want to. I don't want to do this. He's like, I don't love it like I used to. And I just said, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Hurt, 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 hurt. Well, you know what? Good for him. He, uh, at least he got his head on to, to pursue other ventures. And that's, that's good. Cause I know a lot of kids his age and I witness it on a daily basis. Uh, about as to and fro as, as that Bible verse. Uh, <laughs> about people being thrown back and forth by the wind or the water, whatever that verse is. You know, I'm about the Mama Medea verse, and that's not a good look. So let's just keep it moving. All right. Hey, what's going on, I2I podcast people? Uh, glad to have you guys on this evening. And I am, I'm just in awe right now because I have the pleasure of interviewing two of my favoritest people. My God, my God. Um, and it's going to be a fun time. We're going to have a couple of real about some stuff and uh we'll just hopefully see god move in conversation and and, and see what it's all about but uh first uh i want to introduce to you uh my friend i call her sister mama she probably hates that she used to call me brother son but now she just calls me jb so it's cool i ain't i ain't, I ain't worried about it i ain't sweating uh her name is karen bazone uh, i'm gonna let you uh tell everybody a little bit about yourself in just a second but also uh we are talking to the wonderful uh, the diva uh, of my my spiritual formation class way back in fall 2011 at Regent University as well. And her name 
is Jazz Agnew. So I'm glad to have both y'all up here. Uh, Karen, go ahead and uh, give me a 30-second sales pitch on how you have changed the world already because you have done it in a mighty, mighty way. And then, Jazz, you go ahead and do the same, too. And then we're going to have a little bit of fun. Uh, how I've changed the world. Uh, most recently, I, I have helped with the church plant here in the Indianapolis area. And uh, that was, uh, we launched two years ago. We're running a 200 people now. We have mostly people who are new to the faith, which is amazing. And so we're doing our best every week to bring preaching and worship and uh, programs for kids that are engaging and helping people take next steps with Jesus, which is exciting. Uh, it was my first full-on church plant. I've helped launch four other church plant uh, campuses. So, mm. uh, but this was our first like full-on moved away, went to someplace new and started from pretty much nothing church plant experience with a pastor I used to work for in North Carolina and uh, it, it's in a it's a lot of work but it was uh, exciting to see people come in every week um, I would say probably one of the other things that I've done that I'm most happy about and was really on the front lines of uh, doing gospel work was the six years I spent serving with a uh, prison ministry went in weekly to a women's prison uh, preached each week. And I would go back the next day on Monday and lead a Bible study. And that was always amazing. And when I got started, I didn't know, I didn't know a whole lot about anything. I just thought I was going to be doing something awesome and bringing these ladies this, this, you know, great message of Jesus. And, they gave so much back to me than I think I brought to them. And it was transformational for me as much as I think it was for them as well. So um, that's my heart it's for uh, watching people's lives change through the word of God. Come on now. Come on now. We already know that. Uh, but everybody else didn't. So I'm glad you got a chance to tell them. Jazz, talk to me. Talk to us. Okay. Who you be? What's your well, story? <laughs> well, um, I am a child of the parsonage. I came from a long line of Wesleyan Methodist um, pastors and missionaries. Uh, at the age of 16, I accepted my call into ministry. And at 22, I started pastoring my first church. And so I pastored on and off until um, I decided to go back, of course, where I met you guys at Regent. After I finished seminary there, I went back into full-time ministry, uh, worked, uh, I was sent, you know, in itinerant ministry, you know, I was appointed to a small church in rural Alabama, a church that basically they had uh, decided it might be best to close the doors. And in four years, we were able to not only increase the giving, the sacrificial giving, but also to um, bring back members that had left many, many years before. I was the winner of the Paysetter Award for churches with a membership under 100 for two years in a row. Um, and introducing different types of, of ministry. It was more of, it was more missional. You know, we got away from programmatics. We got away from church as usual. We got away from uh, the pastor wearing the robe and 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 looking like church every sunday to us just oh, coming Lord. and sharing our <laughs> our faith stories and sharing our um and talking about 
the things that have happened to us that have have, have shaped our faith. Um, in June of this year, I left that position. Uh, and so now I am not pastoring, but I am on reset. I've taken a leave of absence from the church and uh, am exploring other options. We'll say that. Okay. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get into that mm-hmm. in a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to open this up and really kind of keep it as organic as possible. Uh, talk to me, whoever wants to step up, step up. Uh, just talk to me about your experience. And of course, you know, we're, we're saying this in light of, uh, hearing, uh, f- formally hearing the good old words of, uh, one Jonathan MacArthur, um, a few weeks ago and his stance, which, I mean, if we're all having a, a real conversation, this is nothing new. Uh, I know there's a lot of folks I've been listening to on podcasts and otherwise that are saying that all, all this happening here is the same thing that's been happening with him for the past 50 years. Um, but, you know, this is the first time where he's actually gotten some grand exposure. You know, when things go viral nowadays, they go viral. So uh, a lot of people are in shock and awe, but as I do understand it, this is nothing new. Uh, just kind of talk to me initially about what it's like. And I know, Jazz, this will probably uh, be more your irony of a story in the end uh, with your uh, current, I'll call it a disposition. You can call it whatever you want to, but I think it's just messed up. Um, <laughs> uh, talk to me about what it's like, you know, just being a, a, a girl in a, in a ministry man's world uh, just a little bit. Whoever wants to step up, step up. Uh, I'll I'll speak a little bit to that. I know that um, I think it's difficult for women for a lot of reasons, even in churches where there are pastors and or within denominations that support at least theoretically women in the pulpit uh, preaching and then women having opportunity to teach. Um, And again, in churches where they will accept women and hire women to their staff, but that's only the first obstacle, really. Um, Then you get onto the staff and you deal with, um, I I would call it hidden prejudices. I think a lot of times guys don't realize that what they're saying is, is misogynistic. Like they just, they don't understand. It's, it's not vicious. It's ignorant. Um, And you know, uh, a pastor will take his male pastoral staff on a guy's retreat. Well, if you're part of the pastoral staff and you're a woman, then there's there's that whole what ends up being sort of this sticky mess, right? So you end up being um, at arm's length for discipleship, mentorship, relationship, um, and, you know, being able to connect um, outside of your formal role with the men on your staff. Like there's always sort of this, um, yeah, there's there's this gap because, oh, well, you know, you have to avoid the appearance of of evil. And so um, I I had a position uh, at a church. I worked for a pastor and, um, you know, we would try to plan. So, uh, we left the church building a couple times and went to a local coffee shop to replanning. And eventually that stopped. And it was because, you know, 
we were married to other people and they didn't want us out in public alone. Yeah. What? So I'm like, but we're in public, like at a coffee shop. So hmm. you know, there's just obstacles like that. You don't have the same, at least in my experience, you don't have the same access to discipleship, um, you know, and conversation and the informal connection and discipleship and mentorship that happens um, just by nature of the fact that you're the opposite gender. That's been my experience. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, that's a, you know, so funny. I, I, I just thought about that. Um, I heard a story, I think it was like maybe a month or so ago uh, about an, I think it was an officer in Texas that ended up being released from his job uh, because he was saying that he couldn't train uh, a female officer, a woman officer, I don't say the word female, a woman officer um, alone because of what they call what, uh, Jimmy Graham's rule or something? I mean, uh, not Jimmy Graham. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lord have mercy. As I draw a blank, that's hilarious. Franklin Billy. Graham's daddy, that guy. Uh, yeah, thank you, Billy. <laughs> I know it was a L-E something. Uh, yeah, Billy Graham's rule where, you know, he refused to be in private with any woman at any given amount in time. Like, he would always either keep his door open or he'd have his uh, secretary uh, with him or something like that because he just didn't want the uh, image to come across that he was spending time with, with women alone because of some of the things that people could think. Uh, I mean, I get it, too, because in context, it made sense initially because... Uh, there were people that were apparently out to get him um, or to expose him on something or to set up some kind of rumor or something like that. So uh, he wanted to make doubly sure that he would never have that problem. Uh, women would not travel with him when he traveled, um, you know, just a bunch of stuff like that. So I can kind of see that. But at the same time, I think that um, what you're saying is that has actually become a bit of a suppressant uh, for you guys in today's culture. And that's that's kind of wild. Interesting. Hmm. Jazz, what you got? For um, well, uh, my situation is a little bit different. Uh, you know, in our church, we've long uh, ordained and, and sent women out in not just in pastoral roles, but also in leadership roles as presiding elders and now even as the bishop. And uh, even and where mm -hmm. I live now, my bishop is a female. Um, my problem for me comes. Um, I was always it, it always felt like even though there was a smiling face that said oh women are equal and there was always someone that said that women could do everything that a man could do and more um my bishop was a female my elder was a female mm. the pastor of my of the first church is a female which is my home church um the pastors in our district that always met financial obligations were the females but we rarely moved up. We rarely moved in itinerant ministry. You know, one of the things they do is they move you to different churches. We were that we right. Yeah, my we rarely <laughs> moved. They we would have male pastors that would not meet financial obligations. Would be in all types of of, of moral just uh, just they just did what they wanted to do basically with who they wanted to do it, and it was accepted and it was forgiven. Um, I can remember when I moved here. And uh, they, um, they wondered wondered who I was, and the first thing they said was, "Oh, she's here 
she's meeting, uh, you know, she's she's working with the bishop. They must be sleeping together. Nobody knew anything about wow. me. Nobody knew my name. But that was what they said at first. When I would bring, when I would be dating someone, they would say, oh, she got a new boyfriend every time we come to church. It wasn't true. I had the same boyfriend every, the entire time. When my that when I ended that relationship, it had been years. Nobody had seen me with anyone. And just a few months before I left my pastoral post, one of the pastors said, well, yeah, a couple of the people in the church had said, I, we never see her with a man. She must be a lesbian. Oh, my word. So there was so much of that in the church. Um, our church had become a place where it was about money. Uh, it was a, it, you know, it was uh, some of these churches had thirty and forty-five thousand dollar financial obligations to the connection, and you expect this church that had maybe a hundred members of that hundred members. Let's just not even let's let's be more realistic. That church that had sixty members of those sixty members, maybe they had. 15 or 20 that worked of those 15 or 20 that worked they worked in in low-paying jobs they weren't able to 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 give you these checks and to pay this money every time and and it almost got to where Mm -hmm. sacrificial was almost like you were asking these people to starve to death Mm -hmm. and they wanted you to pay your money and every time we went to a meeting there was there was an asking or an offering and it just was not about discipleship uh it was not about um uh growing in in spirit it was about growing number but we only want this type people because this type people they have jobs and if they have jobs they can bring their money to the church um we stand from in the pulpit and we have these very strong positions about the types of people that we want in our church which i don't think that that's our place to make their to make that call and and no, and not. say things like you know I I can give you a perfect example. I had a couple in my church. They had two strikes against them. Not only were they, it was two homosexual males. They wanted to get married. And one of the men was an immigrant. He needed someone to write his letter so that he could get his, his documentation. So basically the stand the church had was, if you marry these two, we're going to take your ordination. Okay, fine. But it's hard for me to be in a place where you will take my ordination for marrying a couple, but we have a bishop that was found guilty of sexual assault against a man, not once, but he has an impending case right now, has a pending case right now. That was a problem for me. And it seems like that anything and anyone that was associated with you also dealt with being a part of this hypocritical bunch like y'all I, I felt we were like we were hypocrites mm-hmm. I felt like it was more about polity it was more about tradition it was more about standing up every Sunday and saying the affirmation of faith but when you asked a person what the affirmation of faith meant they really could not tell you it was just something that they learned wow. um, and I remember wow. when I got sick I was I went in for just a, a regular just a procedure that was a, a short stay i was supposed to be in and out i was out before lunch and and the doctor assured me oh you know there's rarely any complications i do about 15 of these a month you'll be fine tomorrow that night i started bleeding out of my nose and my mouth 
So I ended up back in the emergency room. They could not get the bleeding stopped. My church friends did not call me, did not check on me. I did not hear from them. But you know who came and wiped the sweat off my forehead and pumped blood out of my mouth and my nose? That my gay member and his husband. I have a problem with the church that has that that has such strong positions about the type of people that they don't like and the type of people that they don't deal with. But those are the type of people that were good Samaritans when I needed one. Mm. So I just, I had to disconnect because it had become uh, as much as I loved the church, as much as I loved uh, ministry and I still love ministry. I still, I do more ministry in the tattoo parlor than I ever did standing in the pulpit. <laughs> so as much as I loved it, it had just become where it was stressful for me. I have pictures posted from when I was pastoring. My skin was breaking out. My hair was falling out. I haven't been pastoring in, in about three months, and, and all of that is cleared up. So I just needed to be released from that stress. And, and, and it's an issue of, you know, you know how we take the text, and we take the text, and we use it to either force or prohibit behavior that says that you cannot put your hand to the plow and then take it off. I never took my hand off the plow. I'm still doing God's work. I have a platform. It's just not in your pulpit. Mm. So wow. that's good. Now I wanna I wanna uh I guess ask the, the obvious question that can maybe lead into, lead into other some other stuff and you kind of answered it but indirectly. Um so my guess is if you were, you know, this is this is why we're having this conversation. If you were a man. Um, what percentage of, of all the stuff that you went through do you think you would have actually... I really don't think that it, it was based on sex. I re- I do think this, though. Yeah. Um, I could, let me... Funny story. <laughs> we, uh, our, our bishop is a female. And mm-hmm. we were required for years in a row to take off work and go to sexual harassment training. And in her sexual harassment training, she was very firm in saying, don't date your members. Don't take the don't date the pastors that that report to you and be very careful with dating your peers. And if you can avoid it. But not only did she marry one of the pastors that reported to her, she made him our elder. So we had no voice. If there was an issue with our local leadership, there was no one for us to say, hey, we need to get together and talk because that's who she slept with. Mm. But she she used, I'm a woman and I, and I need some companionship and I don't want to be alone as her excuse to, as the, the reason for her to be excused. I feel like if there's a mandate or if there's a rule and if there's something that you say that we shouldn't do, that applies to you too. Yes. And and that and yeah, that and that compounded on those things that I felt like we were so hypocritical about. And so I felt okay. like, you know, it's it's one of those type things is that sometimes you you can stay and you can deal with it mm. or you can pray and, and, and leave until things get better. And it just was time for me to to leave. Wow. Okay. Well, let's uh let, let's put a pin in that for a second. I want to talk to to Karen uh cuz we had touched mm-hmm. upon some things previously. Uh and I want to talk about uh the 
the digression um denomination <laughs> denominationally that you uh you, you encountered somewhat because um, i know you come from pretty much what was initially free will pentecostal where uh women are most certainly encouraged to uh all the way down to a situation where it wasn't that women weren't encouraged, but it, it was, uh, what'd you say? It was, you guys were non denom but uh, your people were, were initially Baptist. Um, in, yeah. In, so the, the, the sending church, which, um, you know, I don't, I've never been a, a member of a, a Baptist church of any kind. So I don't really know their cultural lingo. Um, you know, sending church, mm-hmm. right? So they're the church who helped us plant and launch, which effectively means that uh, a lot of the funding came from them and a lot of the other support that we've received in addition to funding has come through them. And they're still a key part of um, the pastoral support uh, for our pastor and, and his family and the work that he does and, and that kind of thing. So, okay. you know, understand that what I know about it is beyond limited, you know, except that, um, you know, I think what I was telling you is not just in um, Baptist churches, but in other churches as well, um, a, a woman will be hired for a position and they'll call her a director. Yeah. But if yeah. they replace her with a man, they'll call him a pastor, whether he is ordained or not. Um, So uh, I've had people who were less educated than me. And and when I say educated, I mean, uh, didn't have a bachelor's degree and uh, didn't have theological training of any kind uh, and had basically been a super volunteer, but uh, and was given, uh, was hired at a higher rate of pay than I was after having been there for three years. Jesus. Um, I'm like, okay, well, I have a bad degree. I have more years in the church almost than he's been alive. And, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'm two thirds of a way through a master's in theology and he's earning $4 more an hour than I am. Um, so that was one issue. Uh, you know, they would, someone else who got hired on also while I was in this particular church, uh, same thing, great volunteer, tremendous heart for Jesus, but no theological training, Edu- well-educated, but not theologically, no theological background, mm-hmm. hired as a pastor. Uh, so, you know, I saw that kind of thing over and over again. And I see in a lot of other churches, not just the one that I was in. So, um, you know, and then there's a limitation, Uh, you know, we'll hire women as a children's director, maybe a children's pastor, occasionally as a youth pastor or as a worship leader, like a hired worship leader, but not as a pastor. Um, Or it's a lot of times what I've witnessed is very often, like I said, it's kind of subtle. Um, And so it's, it's like chauvinism on the down low, you know? (laughs) Um, So uh, 
Uh, and to me, that's a far bigger problem than what we hear from someone like Dr. John MacArthur. It, it's his theological viewpoint. It's been his theological viewpoint for, like you said, probably close to 50 years or more. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to fault him for sticking to his position over a long period of time. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think the thing that is, is reflects most poorly on him is that he would speak so um, unkindly and unchristlike towards either. Yeah. That, to me, that's the biggest issue. And to me, that's the biggest stain on the church is that um, you're talking, you want to come across as being superior and in a superior biblical position because you don't approve of this because of a Bible verse that you stand on. But at the same time, you're completely violating half a dozen other Bible verses about how people of faith should treat one another or even treat people outside the church. Wow. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's kind of been my experience is just um, and I've seen, like you said, a, a decline, a move away from hiring women to staff. Um, yeah. Pastoral or otherwise. Um like I said, you go to some of the biggest churches, you go to their websites and you look at their, their staff listing. Most of the women are secretaries. They're not even administrative assistants or they are, um, or they're some sort of support staff role, but the vast majority of the paid pastoral staff are men or the pastor's wife. Wow. Whew. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm a, I'm gonna throw a random lynch. Uh, and, and, or random pin in the in, in the thing here, uh, so I just wanted to get your thoughts and your insight. Um, you may not even know about this, but you know, for kicks and giggles, let's just do it. Uh, Kanye West uh, released an album uh, about a week and some change ago, and if you don't know, you know his story is this is quote unquote radical salvation. It's not as radical as people think um, because he. I was actually sitting in the back of a church for some months. Uh, he was doing some Bible study uh, as well with a specific pastor. He uh, moved all the way to not Montana, but one of them crazy, one of them crazy states, Wyoming, something like that. I was actually flying the pastor back and forth um, to actually do Bible studies while he was out there. Uh, what a lot of folks don't know is that the church that the pastor was pastoring is on the grounds of the college that was founded by John MacArthur. Um, I'm curious because, as a matter of fact, uh, it's it's been said and stated that John MacArthur has actually spoken at one of Kanye's Sunday services. Uh, and I love what Kanye's doing, and you guys can go ahead and put your two cents in on it as well, uh, just because he's literally willing to walk it out, knowing his stature, uh, knowing his status, knowing that his platform, no matter what your favorite pastor is, is probably hundreds of times larger. So therefore he can impact that many more people. Um, what, I don't know. I, I think the, the question I'm really trying to ask is um, how do you guys feel or do you have a fear attached to the fact that somebody as influential as Kanye uh, is being influenced potentially 
by somebody with the mindset of of, of a John MacArthur, and and why? Jazz, I'm going to let you talk about that for a minute. <laughs> um, there's no, I, I don't really have any fear about it. Honestly, just 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 being honest about Kanye and his situation. I have not put enough thought or concern into Kanye and his situation. Um, <laughs> I listened to the album because I am a, a connoisseur of, of, I love rap music from my generation before and, and, and now in some cases, you know, my, my son is a, is an artist, uh, but uh, I listened to it. I didn't like Kanye when he rapped secular and I don't really care for Kanye's gospel <laughs> album. So, um, but as far as his salvation is concerned and what he's done and, you know, as far as his influence, as long as the influence and, and the, the impact that he's making is for the good and is for the right, you know, who cares? <laughs> who cares where, who it comes from or, or what they do for a living? Um, I want for you to reach the people. That's what it's about. You know, as long as the gospel goes forth and as long as somebody, what may happen is those people that were listening to that music when he was rapping about money and, and drugs and women, if now they listen and they learn or, or their interest is peaked and they learn something about the most high, that's really what this is about. Mm -hmm. So him and his, so, you know, Honestly, I mean, I, I don't know if you, you two even even realize or recognize there's such a mass exodus from the corporate church right now. Oh, yeah. And from the and from the, the, the formal institution of the church right now, that if it takes a couple Kanye Sunday services in the park just to get to recenter people and bring them back to a organic belief in the most high. Mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. I don't really care because mm -hmm. when I tell you. I get so sad, sick and tired of the Pastor David Wilsons of the world. Oh, <laughs> Let's do something stop, else. Yo, we were not trying to have that conversation. <laughs> I'm just saying, podcast. you know, but I'm just yeah. saying, we won't talk about him. We know who he is. Karen don't know who he is. We know who he is. Yeah, no, Karen, I pray you don't know. And if you don't know, I'm not trying to tell you. I'm going to let Jasmine do that. I, I'm not saying nothing. But I, what I'm saying is that there are so many of, of of those that are, are leading and misleading in their leading, yeah. that if you've got somebody that can be organic and just say, look, this is what happened to me. I'm sharing my faith. Come with me. That's what it's about. That's the most beautiful thing that that salvation and, and faith sharing and building your community of faith. That's what it's about. So yeah. I just, you know, he could be in a rabbit suit. I don't really care as long as he's doing the work. <laughs> No, you can't be in a rabbit suit, Jazz. Well, I'm just saying. I, know, I get <laughs> these, it. These in these pastel Sunday suits ain't working either. So, hey, the rabbit suit just might work. That's awesome. Uh, I digress. I would say that uh, I agree with Jasmine. I mean, honestly, what I know about Kanye West is, is so limited. I don't really consume a lot of entertainment news. What? So, no, it's, but. Uh, if if his conversion is genuine and what he's sharing is genuine is right like Paul says in in Philippians look if the gospel's being preached Amen. Paul Come doesn't on. even care what their motives is if right. his motives are genuine um, it doesn't matter if I like his music or not and it doesn't 
my opinion really is irrelevant. As you said, he's got tremendous reach. Yep. Um, and he can reach people most others can't. Yep. And even if he's insincere, which I don't doubt that he is, but even if he were, it's not going to stop that the word of God says that the gospel is going to accomplish the purpose for which God sent it forth. So any fool can preach the gospel with a right motive or a wrong motive, and the Holy Spirit's going to touch it and do with it what he wants. Come on now. So bring it. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I think it's being brought in. I think it's being brought it. <laughs> Glory. Yeah. Glory. Yeah, now that's uh that that I get the I guess that's kind of my point because you know we uh we were talking on the last episode and my big deal and it's 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 probably more so my big gripe with the John MacArthur's of the world. Um even the kinder ones, the ones that just are more so ignorant than the malicious, is that uh unfortunately number one, you'll find all of them in Western civilization. In the United States of America, most likely, and then maybe a couple other parts. But when it comes down to it, they're over here. They're not over there. Um, if you look at the means and the methods to the madness that they call ministry, and you compare them to the things that are happening in, like, in South America or in, in Africa or in Asia. And, I mean, this this goes so far past anything that we probably got time to talk about. Um, because, you know, the thing about the Eastern cultures is that if we're being real, they're witnessing stuff that used to happen in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and but in American culture, because we don't witness it, because to be perfectly honest with you, we don't have the faith to witness it. In most cases, uh, we don't believe that it's real. But dead are being raised back to life. Yeah, I'm, I'm having this conversation. Um, you know, miracles are being worked, uh, and you know, it's just I, I, I just I faint at the fact that a John MacArthur can say all the stuff that he's saying, and over the past twelve years, the people of the Southern Baptist Convention, if nothing else. Uh, are walking out of their doors you know what i'm saying like it's it's one two maybe even three percent every year and mm-hmm. and since they're the largest mainline protestant church you know i gotta find a I, I have no choice but to find fault with uh the fact that you're okay to continue and produce this message you know having your little us for no more circle and and thinking that you're you're doing something that's positive and productive uh when people are you know, physically or even just symbolically, they're just dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I don't know. I just I'm I'm trying not to go there because if I do, I'm gonna get ticked off. But uh, you know, I just uh I I love the fact that we have the opportunity, or even you know, I don't know if it's irony yet. We'll see. Uh, that a Kanye could be birthed from a church that is under the fatherhood of the tutelage of a John MacArthur, uh, to bring in people that John MacArthur is probably not expecting because <laughs> you know when it comes down to it i'm pretty sure not too many southern baptists have, have even heard of jesus walks uh <laughs> let alone anything that's about right. to come down the pipe uh so you know anyway um i do want to put uh, uh but who are but who well, let me let me just say this who are in who are we any of us to make any kind of judgment about the sincerity and the of, of his transformation yeah. and whether he's really saved like who are we to even have anything to say about I, that? Uh, God uses the Most High uses pole crop. You ever nah, heard that? That, that sounds, you know what pole crop is? Go ahead and explain it. To <laughs> okay, pole crop. That means the lowest, the dirtiest, the sickest, the vilest. Oftentimes, those are the ones He transforms, and because you can see His hand moving mm-hmm. in their life, so why would He not? 
<laughs> you know, why would he not use poor crop? Why would he go and get the ones that are that are that are in their ivory tower? Yeah. Come on, y'all. He might just be. You might see Lil Wayne doing it next. I'm just saying. <laughs> come on. What are we gonna do? Reject everybody? Bro, that would be the one. Like, honest to goodness, that, I mean, Ye is off his rock, but <laughs> Mister, stop asking me what's in my cup. Uh, Lil Wayne, Wheezy, Carter, yo, that that would be the one. If if he yo if he's on it, I'm I'm gonna lose my mind. Because it was funny, one of our pastors was saying that in a message last night. He was just loving the fact that he can listen to Kanye in the car with his kids. And that ain't, ain't a real statement in that right there. Like, that's the beginning of something. Like I said, even if, and you know, I'm definitely not judging because nobody on this phone call is perfect. And we all know that we don't have a problem admitting Absolutely. that. Uh, but, you know, there's some folk out there who act like this stuff don't stink. Um, <laughs> and, and a lot of them mm -hmm. probably said something about Kanye. But, you know, um, I don't want to focus on him, though. Let's go ahead and uh, let's put a pretty little bow on this. Uh, both of you guys, go ahead and take your time. Uh, if there's something that you could say uh, to the younger, uh, vibrant you, I know y'all are young, but I'm just saying, though, uh, that is potentially pursuing or thinking about pursuing ministry uh, and realizing that they have a call and purpose right now in 2019, uh, what is the advice that you would give them? Don't change who you are for them. Mm. Lord. Be true to yourself. Let him use you in your current state so that the people can see the work that he does in your life. When we try to mask, when you try to mask it and make it look good before you want to share it, they don't, they don't understand the, the war wounds. They don't understand those prayer markings of, of when you spent those nights on your knees and on your face and, and when you had to struggle to overcome be honest and be truthful because nobody really understands the struggle. Nobody understand what, understands what it's like to when you have to push your way through when you, and be a wounded healer because you just spent the night before shaking your fist at heaven because you don't understand why God is not answering your prayers and then you have to stand in that pulpit like everything wow. is all good. Be honest yeah. about it. Be honest about your struggles because if you're honest, it opens up the door for others to be honest. And it took me leaving the organized church where I had to put on this good Methodist front every Sunday to understand that there's so much value in transparency and letting people know God knows exactly who you are. He mm -hmm. knows exactly what you're feeling. He just wants you to be honest about it because in your honesty and your transparency, that's when you can see him move and see his hands move the most. Oh, man. Amen. Amen. Karen. Amen. Uh, I would say uh, set your eyes on Jesus and let, let your, um, your sense of direction and calling and affirmation come from Jesus alone uh, because the opinion of other people is going to ebb and flow in your life. And, and you're going to, especially as a woman, especially if you're a woman with a call to, to preach or teach, you're going to face all manner of opposition and you just have to be determined through the tears and the wounds and the scars and the struggle and the doubt and the fight um, that 
you're going to seek God and you're going to seek to fulfill his call in your life, regardless of what anybody else's opinion about it is. Um, a friend of mine said the other day, you can't blame God for his provision. And so men may not like that God called you, but that's their issue, not yours. And so, uh, you know, seek to sit under the authority that God gives you. You know, if you, ex if you accept a role or a position or an opportunity, just be sure that you're willing to sit under the authority of that pastor. Um, and uh, if you come to a point where you decide you're no longer willing to do that, uh, don't bring division honor the authority that's still over you and just know that it, it's God's way of saying it's time for you to go, you know, recognize when God lifts a mantle for a season of your life from you. And, um, don't be, a, don't be afraid to call people out when they say something out of ignorance, that's Ooh. sexist or racist or ageist, or whatever it is. Um, you know, you don't have to be hateful about it, but don't be afraid to call people out. Wow. Um, because how will they know if you don't tell them? Um, right. But seek your calling and do your calling, and you let Jesus worry about everybody else's opinion. Live a life to the best of your ability that's above reproach so that they can't they can't uh they might be able to tell lies about you but they're gonna have a hard time coming up with proof if there's nothing to prove um and just pursue god with everything that you have and you know, just like jazz said there's a lot of people out there who need reaching that will never walk through the doors of a church mm. um I, I don't care where i preach and i don't care who i teach i don't need to be inside a church or under a pastor uh, I just need to be doing what God asked me to do. And that's what I'm going to give an account for. Wow. Well, all righty. I think that that uh, pretty much lays out the law of the land for <laughs> powerful women warriors uh, to listen to in 2019 and beyond. Um, ladies, Jazz, Karen, I am beyond flabbergasted and in awe of the wonderful wisdom that has just been presented in all y'all's craziness, which, you know, is still crazy. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, but what can you do? Right. So uh, from the sect, uh, the, the, the man sect of Rabbi Ben kids, kids, yes. uh, let me just say that it has been an honor uh, and a privilege. And actually I hope to have you guys back on again, just to kick it one day. We'll talk Absolutely. about some other craziness, um, but uh, love you guys. Seriously. Honor y'all honor the work that you're doing in and out of the walls. Uh, because we know every place is the church. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode of Eye to Eye. Please don't forget to follow us on FB, Inspired One Enterprises, on Insta at Eye to Eye Podcast. That's the letter I underscore the number two underscore the letter I podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Leave those five stars and a generous review because you love us 
and want us to be great as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us. And remember, be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. Was that good, Little Bear? Did I do it? Did I do that? Did I do it like the, the nice white people with the good voices? No? It's just not going to say nothing. Okay, fine. <sighs> Thank you again, guys. See you next week. y'all got in store but yeah this this keto life ain't loyal and i need to eat something let me tell you something before we go let me just tell you about the keto life now i've been doing modified (laughs) keto which means that i do i probably i keep it under about 100 every day but i do have some carbs okay so yesterday so i have a food blog and i I don't know if you you two probably didn't know but i have like a food like food you got everything you got 35 different like anyway Anyway, I have these food pages, um, uh, and it's the, the it's under the umbrella of the Eat Squad, and the Eat Squad is made up of Clear Eats, Alabaster Eats, Alabama Eats, and Bibb County Bites. So I go to these different places and I try these different foods. But you know, since I've been doing modified keto, I haven't really been able to. So yesterday on my cheat day, I said, okay, all the hype is about this Popeyes chicken sandwich. Girl, I read your. So I'm going to get. My Popeye's chicken sandwich. And I got oh, a Popeye's got I got a Popeye's chicken sandwich with fries and a strawberry Fanta. So if I was going to cheat, I was going to cheat in grand fashion. I ate that chicken sandwich and those fries and drank that drink. And I've never had stomach pains that bad in my whole entire life. <laughs> I was like, either Popeye's is trying to kill me or the Lord is mad because I turned my back on his chicken. <laughs> The Lord I cursed mean, that chicken. That's what happened. He cursed that chicken. The Lord didn't I, curse that doggone chicken. I don't, man, was people shut up about that. I swear. I, Especially with Chick-fil-A coming out in their whole National Chicken Sandwich Day on Sunday where you know dang well they ain't open. Let me Come tell you something. Now. My stomach ain't never hurt like that. But I, I've got other friends that are doing the modified keto too that say, you know, when you're doing the thing, you're cutting carbs out and then you have that many carbs. It's going to hurt your stomach. She said it, it just it's not surprising. And so I did not I was not able to eat until two about three o'clock today from last <laughs> night. Girl. Let me tell you something. That chicken sandwich. You to repent. Let me tell you something. I had I went on a mandatory fast. It was not my choice. My stomach <laughs> was hurting. So t- so tonight I I went back to my, my back to my regular. I did my baked chicken. I did my uh my baked catfish and I did my my salmon. I did my my rock cauliflower rice and my my carrots, which I'm not supposed to be eating because a bunch of sugar in them. But yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that's what I ate. So my cheat days will consist of my carrots <laughs> because I ain't doing it no more. Mess with what you. I have to say. Mm-mm. I cannot mess with you, Lord. And see, now you got me in fear because I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. You acting like my stomach's yeah. about to go on over there and eat that stuff you want to. You're going to be like me in there holding on to the wall beside the bathroom, <laughs> beside the toilet. Karen, get your girl. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I see, we were talking I about having that. 
Oh my god. I'm not yo, y'all are messing with me. Chill out. I'm just telling you. All right. I can't no. we're 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 done. We're yeah. done. So okay. We, and I was talking about we need to we need to do a reunion. I don't know about that no more. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. We're not, we no. should. We'll, we'll we see. should. Just don't worry, Popeyes. Yeah.